And welcome to this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Hammerman. We are on Playmaker Mentality. We're on iTunes talking about sports, society, and stuff, although this is going to be a mainly sports episode because the NFL Draft is really, really soon. Uh, this episode will be out before the NFL Draft, of course. I cannot wait to see what happens. It's always my favorite time of the year. And we have a really special guest this week. Jeff Risden is on with us. Jeff is a friend of mine, writes for Real GM, Detroit Lions, Savant, and Raconteur. Jeff, how are you doing? It's very good to be with you, Ethan. It's, uh, I haven't seen you since the Senior Bowl, so it's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, the Senior Bowl is always a fun time. You always show up and help enable our bad drinking habits, which is a good thing. Very helpful. The elder statesman of draft Twitter, I feel obligated to uh, to do these sorts of things, you know, show that uh, us old guys can still get it down every now and then. Well, it's definitely appreciated. So what we're going to do this episode, uh, we're just going to sort of take as much time as we need. Um, we're just going to do a first-round mock, and my goal is to first talk about who each team is going to pick in the first round, um, even though trades, I guess, will kind of be a thing. We're not necessarily going to count trades in our mock. Um, we can talk about if we think teams will trade, but we're just going to uh, make the picks as if there are no trades. And then also for each team, we can talk about if there are any other later round prospects who are here and they might be targeting. So what we're going to do is I'm going to take care of the odds. Jeff is going to take care of the even. So I am going to start with the Los Angeles Rams and... I think that now it's pretty much solidified that it's going to be Jared Goff. I always thought it was going to be Carson Wentz until pretty recently, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be Goff. Uh, he seems to fit that offense pretty well. I actually like his ability to potentially find space for Devon Austin to work in. Um, and I think that he could work well with the play-action game with Gurley. So, Maybe not the worst decision that they're going to make. I still wouldn't have taken Goff first overall. I'm personally more of a Paxton Lynch guy, as I said last week. But I guess that if they're going to pick Goff or Wentz, they should pick Goff. So we'll move on to number two now. 
Um, one thing that I will say for the Rams, and I said this in the mock draft for publisher and playmaker mentality, which you should all read, is that they like a couple of later round guys. I think one receiver they're going to look at is Paul McRoberts, someone that we actually saw at the Senior Bowl. Um, I think that they're going to take a look at him in the mid rounds, and he could be a really nice fit for Goff. I actually kind of really like that fit a lot. So we're, yeah. So number two overall, we have the Eagles. And I think we also pretty much know who they're going to pick, but why don't you just make it official for us? Yeah, uh, it sure looks like it's going to be Carson Wentz, uh, the quarterback from North Dakota State. They obviously didn't trade their Hall of Picks for, for any other position other than quarterback. That's just not what NFL teams do. I know there's some people out there that are in denial that uh, they would actually do this for an FCS quarterback with, you know, what, 20 starts and 600 total throws, but that's what's going to happen. That's, what, that's what's going down. Thursday night, so uh, Carson Wentz is picked. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. I know Ben is not happy about this, um, as you would expect him not to be happy because he really doesn't like Carson Wentz, and he looks like him, which is just insult to injury. But, yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that he has weapons in Philadelphia, and Doug Peterson's offense, from my understanding, is very rhythmic. So he might actually not be a bad fit in that offense. But, again, I agree with you. I wouldn't have taken him number two. I would take him in round two or three and, and try to mold him. I'm not quite as low on him as some of the young draft winner members are, but I'm definitely not number two high on him, if that makes sense. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Sam Bradford. Are they going to trade him? Uh, I know there's a lot of talk out there that they're going to trade Darren Sproles. Uh, he's not expected to be on the team over the weekend. So it'll be, be weird to see how many other draft picks they, they pick back up after they traded so many away. That's what I don't get with this entire thing. Like, they have to trade him. They have to trade Bradford. And now they're saying they're not going to trade him? Like, the guy's clearly not happy. They have to do something. They can't just let this unhappy quarterback sit there, because they had to have known what they were getting into. Yeah, it's a, it's a very chaotic situation, but you're right, though, that they don't have a bad team. They had a bad quarterback last year and, and bad coaching, uh, and then they're going to solve one of those. Hopefully they've solved two of them. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Wentz. He's, he's not a guy that I would be comfortable taking this near, anywhere near this high, but, but I don't hate him. I think there's a, a lot of very real potential there. Uh, it's just you're not going to see it right away, and, and I worry that he's going to get thrown to the wolves and, and everything will just compound upon itself. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully not. Number three overall, we have the Chargers, and I think they're going to go with Jalen Ramsey here, the cornerback from Florida State. I think people are a little bit higher on Ramsey than I am even though he is definitely one of my top five players in this class. I think that there's going to be some transition in him learning how to play cornerback because he has some issues with his backpedal technique, but his upside is definitely super high. I compare him to Trumaine Johnson from the uh, the Rams. Um, I think he's somebody who eventually, early on, I would love for him to get some opportunities jumping seam routes and making plays on shorter routes as sort of a zone 
floater cornerback, and then hopefully he can also eventually mature into a really good man quarterback. But he's just a straight-up playmaker, so I think he's going to be a really good fit there. And they just don't have the resources, even though I know there's a lot around the Stanley buzz, and we're going to talk about that. They just don't have the resources, in my opinion, to allocate any more to, le- to offensive tackles. Because you already have Dunlap. They gave Barksdale 12 million guaranteed, which to me was stupid, but they did it, so they have to live with that. They just moved Fluker to guard and extended him as well, so I don't think that they can take a tackle. Is sort of why I'm giving them Jalen Ramsey. Uh, definitely also a team that could trade down, although I do think they're just going to end up taking Ramsey and running away with it. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you see Ramsey as a cornerback, and, and they probably do too if they're taking him at three. Uh, and I agree with the pick, but I, I think he's better at safety. But uh, if you can get a premium corner at that spot, it, it makes sense too. I agree with you. I don't see the tackle situation, even though, you know, it is, it's spreading like wildfire the days here before the draft that they're, they're hot on Ramsey, or hot on, uh, on Ronnie Stanley. Uh, they, they're paying so much for their offensive line already. Uh, I, I guess, you know, you file it under, well, you have to do whatever you can to win while you still have Phillip Rivers, but, uh, I think a good defense would help them win too. Let's talk about this Riley Stanley thing for a second, because this is something, and Jack Conklin, too, to a lesser extent, I am shocked that all of a sudden we're getting all this buzz on both of those guys. Um, Stanley's somebody who, at the Senior Bowl, we heard both people questioning if he even liked football, and now he's getting top five hype. Like, it just seems a little bit weird to me. Like, do you think that this is smoke, or do you think it's legitimate? I think there's probably some smoke to it, but I also think there's probably some legitimacy to it. I, now, for Stanley, he, he has some issues to his game. He doesn't handle power well. Uh, we, we saw it early in the season with Virginia with a guy named Trent Corney, who's a Canadian bodybuilder more than he's a defensive end. But he, he got in and gave him some trouble. And, and there are some lingering issues about you know how much Stanley loves football. I don't know anything about that, but... You know, if it's a question, it's probably something that scouts have have vetted and and are either comfortable with or uncomfortable with. Yeah, it's it's strange though that you know for a long time everybody was like, oh, this tackle class after Tunsil, there's this huge drop off. Well, apparently the NFL doesn't necessarily see it that way, and that that's that's very odd to me because I do see it that way. Well, I think also part of it is I I think that the NFL sees tackle as a more fungible position than maybe the layman does. Uh, because we saw it with, in 2013, too, with Eric Fisher, Luke Jekyll, and Lane Johnson. Johnson probably had the highest upside of any prospect, but they were all sort of viewed the same way by most teams, from my understanding. So I, I kind of feel like maybe the NFL just sees that skill set as being something that a lot of different people can have, especially when you're looking at the the creme de la creme of the class. Anyway, let's go to pick four. The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock, and who do you think they're going to take? Ooh, man. This is this is a total coin flip for me with Ramsey off the board. It's either going to be – it's going to be an Ohio State guy. It's going to be Joey Bosa or it's going to be Zeke Elliott, and I can't tell you which one it is. I don't think – I don't think Jerry Jones can tell you what it is at this point because I think from, from what I gather, he really wants Elliott, but the football side of him – uh, realizes that, that Joey Bosa could really, really help them, and, and they desperately need defensive end help. So, you know what, I'm going to go with Bosa. 
Uh, again, it could go either way. The, the coin landed on Bosa here. I think that's fair. I've heard the same exact thing that you have, um, that they really that, – that Jerry wants Elliot. My mock, I gave them Elliot because I think that in that case, uh, the owner wins out more often than not. And I think that he would sort of just like be, I'm going with the playmaker, uh, especially behind that offensive line. But it's totally a coin flip. You know, his football people have made very good decisions for him lately. Uh, and I, I'm going to trust that he's going to ride with that instead of, uh, although I, I would take, I personally would take Elliot myself, but, uh, I'm not Jerry Jones. If I was, I'd be having a lot more fun in life. That is very fair. I, I mean, there's nothing really I can argue with there. The one thing about Bosa is, and I know that there were some, there were some rumors that he might have failed his combine drug test, which luckily turned out not to be true. I have heard that the Dolphins like him a lot, and he lives near there. That could be a fun fit. I have the Dolphins trading up for in my mock draft, so I, I kind of am hoping a little bit that happens. I think that could be a really, really fun fit, but we'll see. They had his father and his uncle. So. Yeah, it would be a nice little family uh, family reunion down in Miami. So now number five, the Jaguars are on the clock. This is a tough pick. Uh, I can see them going in a few different directions. I don't think that they've really been – totally transparent with who they're going to end up picking. I think, of course, they definitely want to trade, if possible. Uh, but we're not doing trades in this mock draft, so if they stick at the pick, uh, I have to go with just the latest, best information I've heard and go with Miles Jack, uh, just because I think that he's so athletic, and I know that they like him, even though there are some questions about the injury. Um, and granted, I think that they would love to get him in a trade down too, but I just have to pick him here because they're not going to go with an offensive tackle. Hargreaves is a sleeper for me at this position, but I think they already have pretty good depth at cornerback. And I was thinking about in my mock draft having them – they actually do trade up in my mock draft for Keanu Neal. Originally, I had them trading up for Carl Joseph. Uh, I don't think that they would do that if they end up getting – Jack, because this is a make-or-break year for Gus Bradley, and I don't think he wants to bank on two injured first-round picks in a make-or-break year. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the summation of this is that Jack is the pick for me at five. Yeah, I, and one of the things that, that gives that some credence is that they worked him out after the uh, the medical recheck in Indianapolis, which may or may not have gone well for him, and they're not going to do that if they don't have serious interest in him. Uh, and the fact that it didn't come out that they didn't like what they saw, I think says that they probably did. So uh, I'm with you on that. In my final mock, I have them trading back and getting him uh, a few picks later, uh, and, and they did get out. But like you said, we can't trade here. So uh, I'm with you on this one. All right, Baltimore's on the clock. Who are you taking, Nazi? Oh, boy. Uh, I have them going Ronnie Stanley and uh, – I think that they are a definite sleeper candidate to trade up to get Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that's what happened in my final mock draft uh, that will be out uh, Wednesday evening, shameless plug. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to go with Ronnie Stanley. There's a lot of people that have said, you know, that uh, uh, there's there are teams that have Ronnie Stanley graded as high as Laramie Tunsil. Well, this one, I, I happen to think that Baltimore is one of them, uh, and I think that they're uh, – they are in the market for a left tackle, even though they do have Eugene Monroe. So I'm going to I'm gonna take Ronnie Stanley here. I've heard the same thing about Stanley. 
I have them going Tunsil in my personal mock draft just because Ozzy's a value guy. I can't see Ozzy saying that Laramie Tunsil is worse than Ronnie Stanley. I can't see him doing that. Even if there's off-field questions, um, which, for the record, I looked into uh, Tunsil and Kemdiche. I mentioned this in my mock draft, but this was something that I wanted to take a look at a little bit closer after some of the rumors came out in Mobile that Tunsil might have pushed Kemdiche out of the window when he got hurt. I don't know. You heard those rumors, right? I have, yes. So I heard them first in Mobile, and then other people said the same thing. So I'm like, well, I can put on my reporter hat and do a little bit of digging. And Freedom Information requests in Georgia are famously bad, still have not received a police report. <laughs> But I talked to multiple people who were actually there, and I confirmed that Tunsil was in the room, but he didn't smoke, and also he didn't push him. So that character question, from my understanding, is out the window. Um, that was a fun little investigation, too. I, I, got, uh, I got to deal with the Ole Miss athletic department, uh, which really doesn't tell you anything, and apparently they're famously bad compared to other SEC schools in terms of giving you information. So that was fun. I had a good time. Oxford, Mississippi is an insulated little place if you've never been there. It's it's a yeah. it's a charming place, but it, it's a place where you can totally get lost in being just being Ole Miss, and I think that happens with them a lot. Also, that team is a, a, team's a little bit screwy. There's some stuff going on there that uh, – isn't too outside the pale for SEC schools, but they have some characters on that team. They would have been a very fun team to cover last year as a beat writer. Yes. Although, from my understanding, I talked to a couple of beat writers down there when I was looking into this because I was seeing if maybe I could do like a bigger sort of story on it. Because I wanted to know the information. I'm curious. Um, they said that they are not fun to cover because the athletic department gives them no information. So it is what it is. Anyway, moving on in the draft, this is the Niners spot. Um, I've heard that they really like Jack Conklin, and I don't think that Chip would take Tunsil. So, regrettably, I think I have to go Jack Conklin here, seven. Um, which is, this is the highest I think that I could see him possibly going. I personally would not endorse this pick, but, man, Todd McShay, I was watching... um the NFL draft preview show on ESPN, and Mick Shea said, put on Conklin's tape. Find someone beat him with a speed rush. You can't. Which isn't true, but clearly people are caping for him, so... And I really can't see Chip taking Tunsil. That would not be a Chip decision, so I think I have to go with Conklin. Wow. That's uh, that's a crazy ascension for him. Um uh, I don't grade him that highly at all, but he is going to go high. Um, this is high for me, but you know what? I I, I see your point on Tunsil. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the Niners are interesting because I could see them going with DeForest Buckner. He is one of the few players left who has a Chip Oregon connection. So I can see them maybe looking at him. And for wide receivers, I've heard that they like Michael Thomas more than the rest of them. So I could see them maybe – Trying to trade down in my mock, I've been trading down and getting Michael Thomas. Uh, well, not too far. He's still my first wide receiver off the board in my mock draft. But, yeah, I think in this case, Conklin is the guy. And 
I don't know. Maybe Conklin fits that scheme. We'll see. It's something definitely keep an eye on. Number eight, we got the Browns. Who do you have them going with? Uh, in this case, they're running to the podium for Ezekiel Elliott. they got to get weapons uh, for RG3 or whoever winds up being their quarterback uh, down the line. Uh, I'm hopeful that it's going to be RG3. I actually like the idea of, of taking a chance on him. Uh, and you've got one year. If it doesn't work, then you're – well, then you are where you are anyway. So, so why not try? Uh, and, and use this draft to build up the weapons around it. They need a lot of defensive help, too. And uh, actually, with Buckner being on the board here, that's that's really tempting. But uh, Zeke Elliott, is, uh, he's an Ohio State guy, and that does matter to Cleveland. Uh, it probably shouldn't. Uh, and maybe it won't for the new regime, but in, in the past it certainly has. So I'm going to go with that. I think that's a pretty solid pick. I have also heard that they like Buckner. I have them taking Buckner in my personal mock draft, but, yeah, Zeke slipped too far. I could see San Francisco going with Zeke, too, in this instance, although they do have Carlos Hyde and a couple other weapons, and I think that they probably would do something stupid, so we'll keep them with Conklin. Um, Number nine, we have Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I could see them going with either Buckner or Hargreaves here, or maybe even Leonard Floyd. Um... I, I think I have to give them Laramie Tunstall, though, if he's still on the board, which he is. So I guess he'll, he'll go to Tampa, which would be quite the, uh, quite the bookend. Laramie Tunstall, he could maybe kick Donovan Smith to, uh, to right tackle. This would be a really good, um, situation for the Bucks. They should be praying that this happens. It would be interesting if it did, and, and, you know, these are the kind of curveballs that show up and, and make everybody like, whoa, where'd that come from? So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. He, he, you don't turn down Laramie Tunsil um, if you have Donovan Smith, certainly. This yeah, year's this draft is weird. Holy cow. <laughs> if this is a situation yeah. that could actually happen, this year's draft is weird. And by the way, I'm going to, uh, to tweet out a screenshot, because I'm writing everything down on my phone, of the picks that we make in Armok after this comes out, so people can uh, follow along on that. Number 10, Giants. Who do you have? Oh, wow, the Giants. And they're looking at this board now, and, and the two players that I think that they, they would really covet uh, are gone. Uh, I, I think Jack Conklin is a very real possibility for them, and I think they are Miles Jack's floor. So I'm going to go... Fuck, they're still out there. Yeah, let's let's do Buckner. He's just not going to fall that far. He, he's too too promising. Whether he achieves that promise or not remains to be seen. But the guys like him just don't grow on trees, and uh, they happen to need that tree in New York. So I'm, I'll go with with DeForest Buckner there. Good pick. I can get behind that. I have them taking Hargreaves in my mock. I think that they need another cornerback, even though they just got Janoris. Um, so he was the person who I had pegged to them. But I think Buckner definitely is someone who they would take if he fell that far. So I can definitely get behind that pick. They are a BPA team, so I'm totally aligned with that. Number 11, we have the Bears. Uh, they love Shaq Lawson. I think it's pretty well known at this point. So I think I'm just going to give them Shaq Lawson because 
Yeah, I, I, he deserves I, to go I, that high. I've heard the same, and uh, I, I live within earshot of Chicago radio. I do tune in on occasion, and they are everybody who comes on, all their experts that they have, they all talk about Shaq Lawson. So that, there, that seems like the prudent pick. There was that weird buzz going on though, um, where Dodd might be better than Lawson. Which yeah, I, I personally I like Dodd, but I can't get behind that. There, there's things with Dodd that worry me. He only did it for really one half of one year, uh, and he, he did it opposite a dynamic guy like Shaq Lawson. I think that matters. You know, if you're asking him to be your number one rusher, he's not going to have that compliment on the other side. I think he needs it. But that's that's just my opinion. Well, we'll see what happens there. Twelfth overall, we have the Saints. Who do you have them going with? Oh, defense. Let's see. Who is left on defense here? They need... Oh, boy. Let's do William Jackson. He is my number one corner. I think he is probably the number one corner for a lot of teams, uh, and I will guess that he is for the Saints as well. Although, uh, with Hargraves on the board, it makes it a little bit tougher to say that. But, uh, yeah, let's do William Jackson, the corner out of Houston. Over Rankins? Yeah. Interesting. Because I have Jackson going to the Raiders in my mock. Um, but... Yeah. Well, Rankins is there, isn't he? You know he what? Is. Change that. I heard that they like Rankins. Thank you, Thank you for being – you know what? I, I'm looking at it, and now that I see it, I, I have Rankins in my final mock as well. So you talk sense into me there. Yeah, I, I've heard that they really like Rankins. Realistic so. sense. Yeah, that, we'll that, see. that's a very realistic pick. Yeah, I think, I think that that is a good fit too. I really like Rankins a lot. Uh, his awareness on the field is amazing. It's the most underrated part of his game to me. I'm a big, big fan of his. And I, I agree, though. I'm with you on William Jackson. I have him in the Raiders in my mock. Uh, so maybe on 14, that's where he'll end up going. If he gets past <laughs> Miami at 13, who is on the clock now. Uh, Miami just got Byron Maxwell. They could probably still use a cornerback, though, right? Are we thinking that Hargreaves might be a good fit here? Yeah. I'm going to give them Hargreaves. I, I think that that would be a really, really good pick for the um, – for the Dolphins. And I do have Hargreaves rated higher than um than Jackson. I think Hargreaves reminds me a little bit of Joe Hayden. I know they went to the same school, but I think he has that playmaking ability. His footwork is sublime. I'm not sure you're going to get two contracts out of him, but if you have a number one cornerback for five years, I think that's fine. Yeah, I love his ability to take two steps and close on the football. Oh, that's so good. phenomenal. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big... I, I personally rate... I rate Jackson higher, but uh, I can see why teams would take Vernon Hargraves. Yeah, it's fun to see how these situations play out, though. There's some talent that's slipping in these drafts, and it's all because of Jack Conklin and Ronnie Stanley. Um, weirdness going on. Weirdness always ensues the NFL draft. Fourteenth, we have the Raiders. Let's let's keep it easy and go William Jackson. Why not? <laughs> I, I, take I love that fit. And that's a really, really good fit. Um, and they did take a Houston cornerback in 2013, EJ Hayden, but Jackson's better. And Jackson doesn't have some of the off-field issues. Not that you want to call, like, a heart issue an off-field issue, but he he's not quite as problematic uh, from a standpoint that you know he'll be healthy when he steps onto the field. Who does he remind you of? He reminds me a little bit of Darius Slay. That's, that's the cop that I use. And as a Wait, really? Did I steal that from you accidentally? I'm very sorry. 
Well, no, it's easy to come by it if you watch them, and they're very physically quite similar. Uh, and I actually think that Jackson's going to have the same career arc. Slade, if you don't remember, he was he started as a rookie, earned the starting job, and he was awful. He got benched after like four or five games because he just couldn't understand the assignments. And he, for whatever reason, it, it, it didn't click right away. And then it clicked like right at the end of his rookie year. Uh, and ever since then, he's been great. He's one of the definitely one of the ten best corners in the league now. And I think that you can see Jackson have the same sort of career arc where he maybe struggles a little bit, you know, adjusting initially, uh, and then it clicks, and then uh, then you get what you got, which is a, a Pro Bowl level corner. The thing that I saw with Jackson that reminded me the most of Slay is the catch up speed. Because for a big guy, you don't expect him to be able to make a play on the ball once he gets beat. But Jackson has those long arms and the ability to just sort of stick it in there and uh, knock the ball away when you least expect it. And that reminded me a little bit of Slay. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of his. I think he's going to be a good player. I personally, my number one cornerback actually isn't off the board yet because I'm personally still a big fan of Mackenzie Alexander, who reminds me of Brandon Flowers. But I think he's going to slip out of the first round. I think he's going to make a team happy in the second. So... We'll see about that. Sort of like what happened with Brandon Flowers when he came out of Virginia Tech. Anyway, now the original number one team, the Titans are on the clock. In my mock, I had them trading up for Ronnie Stanley. Uh, I think that they are a team that could go in a lot of different directions. And, ugh, who do they go with now on this board? You can, you can help me here because this is a tough spot for them. I, I, you know, they've, they're clearly looking at tackles. Um but this is also a spot where you can maybe get a wide receiver if you want to go there. Uh, they, they have to get Mariota more weapons. You know, they have Taylor Lalonde, who's a good left tackle. Uh, I think he'd be a phenomenal right tackle, and I think that was sort of the thinking and, and everybody giving counsel to them when, when they were picking number one. So Yeah, but I think also partially part of it is, first of all, apparently they like Jermaine Nefetti, um from Texas A&M in round two as a tackle prospect. Also, Taylor Decker, probably more of a right tackle the next level as well. So I'm not sure you can move Luan over if you take him here. Um, they need help on defense. They do. They need they need reinforcements uh, all over at all three levels, really. They're I, not terrible, but they need help. I'm inclined to give them a linebacker I like more than a lot of other people here. I'm going to give them Darren Lee, who is you know, someone... He was, was going to be one of my suggestions because I think he fits... You know, in that mold of he can be a cover linebacker. He can almost be a strong safety for you uh, if you need that. Uh, kind of a run-and-hit guy. Uh, lacks some power, which lends more credence to the fact that maybe it could be a safety. Well, you know what? They need a safety, too. So Yeah. yeah. I, I can't see them going safety yet. I think that they're going to wait on a safety, but I think Darren Lee is a good pick for them here. I would be totally fine with sort of sticking him in, letting him run around, make plays behind that front line, which has some good players. I mean, they have Arakpo, Jarrell Casey. Like, they have a pretty good defensive line. I just think they need help solidifying the back part of that line. I think the cornerback is definitely on the board as well. Um, yeah, but Darren Lee is someone who I'm higher on than a lot of draft Twitter. I think he's really good. I'm not entirely sure why people don't see the same projection that I do, but I'm a big fan. 16, we have your Lions. So let's talk about them Lions. Yes, we do. Uh, if I were making the pick, it would be different than what the reality of what they will do is. Um, if we're trying to be accurate on this uh, and they're not trading, that makes it a little bit different because I happen to think that they're going to trade down and take Alabama center Ryan Kelly 
in the actual draft. Uh, but I don't think I mean, it, it's a real reach for him here at 16. He's not even the number one center on my own board. I, li- I like Nick Martin better. Uh, and I don't think either of those guys are, are first rounders. Um, but it, it is, it is the biggest need on their offense, contrary to what most people will tell you. Center was the bigger hole than tackle last year. Uh, they missed, they missed Dominic Riola. That, that's about all you need to know. Um, the, the wonderful human being that he is. Awful uh, so human being. You're looking at defensive tackles here. Um, and there's quite a few of them uh, that I like. Uh, if I'm going with what I think they would do, I think they would take Jaron Reed, the, the Alabama defensive tackle here, uh, because I know that they're intrigued by what he can do. Uh, he's a good schematic fit. He can play the zero. He can play the one. He can play the three. Uh, they have to get people on the defensive line because they don't have any defensive linemen under contract after this coming season. Uh, it, it's a, a major need for them. Uh, they would certainly love Sheldon Rankins or Shaq Lawson. If either one of those guys were there, they would be the pick. But uh, as it stands, and and with the, the premium offensive tackles off the board as well, uh, I, I think we're going to go with Jaron Reed. I can get behind that. I like that pick. I think Reed is someone who's a little bit underrated because he isn't the flashiest player, but he gets down the line to scrimmage really well. He's actually similar to Malcolm Brown, who I thought y'all were going to take last year, but you took Lakin Tomlinson instead and let Malcolm <laughs> Brown slide to the Patriots. <laughs> What? Yeah, Lake and Thomas, Lake and Thomason didn't work out all that well. Uh, we're hopeful that he'll improve as a sophomore because, uh, as a rookie, he just, he plays so slow. It was, it was very hard to watch at times. Uh, I hope he improves. I think he's smart enough to improve. He's a good player. He's someone who, I didn't have a first round grade on him, but I thought he was really good and I watched him. He impressed in the senior bowl too, so I'm hoping that he improves. And he's a really good guy. Really yeah. smart. That fits that locker room really well because now the lines have a lot of really smart players in the locker room. And for the record, I think Bob Quinn's really good too. So I think that the lines are well positioned for the future. I think that you're in a really, really good position. I actually had them going with Ryan Kelly in my personal mock draft, but I can totally see Jaron Reed as well. Falcons on the clock. Yeah. It would not surprise me at 16, but uh, I'd like it a lot better at 21 or 22. And you know, they like Vernon Butler too, right? Yes, they do. And that is certainly a possibility. I don't have him in the first round yeah, of my mock. I don't have him. I, I think they would read, read higher, but, uh, yeah, Butler is definitely in the, in the thought process, too. Yeah, I don't have not him. Not a wide receiver, not a cornerback. It won't, won't be either one. Do they like any wide receivers later to replace Calvin? Yeah, um, it, it's more of a deal of, of they're going to try to do it with, with volume, and they have their starters in, 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 uh, in Golden Tate and uh, Marvin Jones. They're happy with their slot situation. They got all kinds of guys there. Theo Riddick led the league in, in running back targets last year. He'll probably do that again. Eric Ebron is going to get a lot of targets. So you're looking at a role that, you know, in their shifting offense, I don't think they're going to get a re- another receiver that gets more than 40 or 50 targets. And that's just not something that you do in the first round. But later on, they, they've looked at a ton of the middle round guys. Um, too many to name, really. But uh, I, I would expect one maybe third, fourth, somewhere in that round. Sounds like a plan. So now the Falcons are up. This pick is easy for me, Leonard Floyd. Yep. Who's getting a lot of hype. Um, as we get closer and closer to the draft, um, I'm not the biggest Leonard Floyd fan. I think he's okay. I don't think he's amazing. I think that the upside's a little bit more tantalizing than what we actually saw at Georgia. I thought at times 
Last year, he was the third best edge rusher at Georgia behind Jordan Jenkins and someone who I think got swept under the rug a bit, but I thought Ray Drew was really good last year too, uh, even though he ended up going undrafted. shows you how much I know. But I think Floyd is someone who could be a nice compliment to Vic Beasley. And you can maybe even play him middle linebacker and try him out in, like, all these different rush formations. I think he's someone who could be a really nice fit for the Falcons. So he's my pick at 17. I think this is probably the best chance of any of these middle picks here that we've made to uh, to actually happen, too. It, it seems like so many people are, are all over this. It's going to be one of those where then they'll, they'll throw us a curveball Thursday night. But, uh, yeah, this has to be the pick for now. Yeah, the hierarchy I heard was, Floyd, and then Darren Lee, and then Keanu Neal. So, life comes at you fast if you're the Falcons. Um, Colts. Keanu Neal. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keanu Neal is an interesting guy. Colts, 18. What do you think? Oh, boy. They need pass rush more than anything else. And I know a lot of people think they're going to take an offensive line. This is not a good area for the pass rush guys because I don't think Noah Spence is going to go this high. Um, and just looking at who else is on the board, they, Cody Whitehair makes a lot of sense here. Um, they also need corners. Uh, I can see Eli Apple being a pick. Oh, jeez. Let's go with who Dodd is there. You know what? Let's give them Kevin Dodd. I think that's something that could happen. In the first draft by mock, I had them taking Dodd. So I think that's a good pick. I think it's pretty sensible. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think they, another they sleeper. Built the interior of their their defense last year with the Stanford guys and Henry Anderson and David Perry, both those guys worked out pretty well. They got to add some pieces though around that, uh, and you know they they have sort of gotten superfluous on offense a little bit with with Philip Dorsett and and things like that. So I, I think it's time for them to to really focus on guys that can impact on the other side of the ball and Dodd. I have my questions about him, but uh, if he hits, he would be a really great addition for them to uh, erase the stain of Bjorn Warner. Wouldn't it be a nice little uh, homage? And this pick probably won't happen, but it would make me happy if they pick Carl Joseph just because they would have the next Bob Sanders. That would make me really no, happy. You're not kidding. That would be fun. That would be a lot That's of fun to see. Now I'm kind of kind of really want to see that now. Buffalo is up. I'm giving them Kim Diche. I think that Rex wants him, and I think he could be fun in that defense. And I think the thing with Kim Diche, and this is something that maybe it's me growing up a little bit and realizing it, I don't have an issue with guys being individuals and doing stuff off the field and, like, having a lot of interest. Like, Kim Diche is one of the most interesting people in this draft because I don't think he's stupid. I think he has a lot going for him. I think he might even be, like, like, some sort of, like, idiot savant, like, genius in a lot of different ways. Like, he just, like, picks up the sacks and, like, starts playing it really well. Like, he's a really smart, educated, interesting guy. Uh, but I do think that if you are going to be a football player, there needs to be some devotion to your craft. And that was the thing with Dominique Easley. I don't think he had that devotion, and that was sort of one of the reasons why he got cut. Another one being something that Kim DJ's brother got caught for, Spice, but that's neither here nor there. And I think that with Kim DJ, I want to see that work ethic. And that's the thing that scares me. And that's something that uh, 
would scare me if I was picking him. But I think that the Bills don't really care, and Rex is going to take him anyway. He's definitely a Rex guy. And I'm with you. He's he's an odd dude, and that doesn't make him a bad dude. It just makes him different than what the NFL expects. Uh, and that can be problematic uh, if you're an individual. Uh, but uh, I happen to think they, they'd go quarterback here as, as much as they're talking down to Rod Taylor. But uh, you know what? I, I can't argue with Kambicha here. Yeah, and the thing is that when I talked to people at Ole Miss for this entire thing that I was working on, which didn't actually come to fruition, everyone said that the locker room likes him. He has friends on the team. He's not, like, a disliked guy. Everyone seems to get along pretty well. Um, So I don't think that, like, you can be a little off interest-wise and still work in the NFL. I don't necessarily buy that narrative. For me, though, it is the work ethic thing. Like, he needs to, like, get better at his craft, and I want to make sure that he does that. Anyway, number 20, the Jets. Is this where Paxton goes off the board? You got it, Paxton right. Lynch, running to the podium. Yeah, I think that uh, I think he's going to slip here. I don't think it's a good situation for Paxton in terms of the media. I hope he can deal with it. But in terms of talent, I mean, they have so many good players on that team now. I think McCagnon's a really good GM. He's a really, really good GM. 21, Washington. I think they run to the board and get Ryan Kelly here. I think that this is his floor. I've heard that McLuhan likes him a lot. Um, and they need a center, so I think that he's the pick. It makes a lot of sense. I, I've heard the same, so it's it's pretty academic there. Houston. Houston is going to get a wide receiver to go opposite Nuke, and that means they need speed, and that's going to be Corey Coleman out of Baylor. Now I've heard, I've heard that they like Coleman. I've also heard they like Will Fuller. I mocked them Josh Doxson, who I'm gonna give to Minnesota at 23. By the way, spoiler alert. So pin that pick in. <laughs> and this is the run on wide receivers that everybody's expecting, and we're no different. Here's the thing with Doxson, and I want you to tell me what you think about this. I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate scouting. Um. This dog is barking, but whatever. I feel sometimes you overcomplicate scouting um, from the standpoint that, like, we, we overanalyze players on the field, and then we're like, maybe he's not going to run well, or maybe the measurables aren't going to add up, or sometimes they have really great measurables, but it doesn't always translate on the field. Doxon had amazing performance on the field, and then he also is totally sparked up. One plus one is two, right? Shouldn't he be the top receiver on everyone's board? He's the top one on my board. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I love the fact that he can catch poorly thrown balls. He does that so well. And that, that's an asset that I don't think enough people take into account. Uh, because you're not always going to have an accurate quarterback. Um, he's got Brock Osweiler in Houston uh, if he goes there. Or, or uh, in Minnesota, Teddy. Well, Teddy's fairly accurate, but is prone to uh, making his receivers work a little bit. I like the fact. Yeah, I, I, I don't get why everybody is so down on him. I, I, I know he's old or older than than you would like optimally for your pro, for your prospects, but he, he's just a football player, and he, he's a little skinny. But you know what? There's a lot of Antonio Brown's pretty darn skinny. And he's worked out pretty well. Most definitely. Twenty four. Does the runner receivers continue with the Bengals? You know what? I, I I tend to think they will, but 
this is the thing. Uh, they already have A.J. Green, so they don't need Treadwell. So I think they're going to take Will Fuller here. That's who I have them taking in my mock, too. The field stretching speed. Uh, and, and Will Fuller is my, I think he wound up being my 14th wide receiver, and he's not in my top 100 players overall. But I'm not the one making the picks. They are. Yeah, for, I like Will Fuller, actually, but if he goes before Doxon or Coleman, I would be surprised. And here he's going before Treadwell, too, which yeah. is pretty uh, – I think that's fairly realistic. The thing that, I, that gets me about Fuller is I, I went and saw them live this year, and even in warm-ups he couldn't catch. And that, you know, like I, I understand guys, you know, like getting the yips like Braylon Edwards in a game where, you know, okay, there's pressure on me and I can't catch it. He was dropping balls in warm-ups, and I, I can't get that mental picture out of my head. So I, your primary function as a wide receiver is to catch the football. I don't think he can do that very well. But somebody's going to take a risk on him. And it, he might not even last this long on Thursday night. We'll yep, yeah, a lot of people seem to think he might be the first receiver off the board, so we'll see. 25, Pittsburgh. I think this is an easy pick as well. I'm going to give them Carl Joseph. Uh, I, I think Eli Apple is who I mocked to them in my original mock, but I think it's really a coin flip between the two, and I've heard they really, really like Carl Joseph. They want that safety. They know how important the safety position is. I'm going to mock them Joseph in this one just to switch it up a little bit. Interesting. I'm with you on Apple. That's who I have them taking in my final mock. All right, well. They certainly need both. So it wouldn't way, shock me if they took Apple. That's who I have in my mock that I posted on Playmaker Mentality. But I'm going to give them Joseph here to switch it up and get him in the first round because he deserves to be in the first round. And I, I hope that he gets an opportunity. I'm a big fan of his. 26, Seattle. Seattle. Seattle is going to take somebody who astonishes athletically, as is their custom. And I think, you know, that... The, Everybody's saying that they're looking at offensive linemen. Well, they, they've been saying that for a long time, and they wind up with Justin Britt and J.R. Sweezy and guys like that. Uh, and I don't think they're going to break character on that. I, I think they're going to go with the defensive freak. I think we'll take Andrew Billings here, like the, the bodybuilding, weightlifting freak uh, with so much upside. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a chance to be a phenomenal player as a, an attacking nose tackle. You just don't see those guys every day. And uh, I think Pete Carroll is attracted to guys who offer dimensions that other guys don't. So uh, we'll go with Billings there. That's an interesting selection. I have them taking Derek Henry in my mock draft um, because I think that would be fun. And they like stacking up on skill position guys. So it's something that definitely would not shock me at all. He is a physical freak. And they have roles, but you can always use more help at the running back position. Guys get injured. Guys get tired. And having Derrick Henry there, man, that would be fun. Derrick Henry with Russell Wilson. That would be interesting for sure. That would be fun. 27, Green Bay. I'm going to give them Chris Jones from Mississippi State. Another defensive tackle, so another mini run happening right now. Um, I think Jones is a top 15 talent in this draft. I think that his flashes are better than any defensive tackles, pretty much, other than maybe Rankins. And... Yeah, I think he's really good. I think that he it's could be a really good player. Run with, with either like big media or media, it's he's like this unheard of prospect. It's kind of strange because he is—he's a very talented player and he has a lot of very good film. It's uh, 
it, it's baffling to me that he doesn't get more run. Yeah, I think that uh, he'd be a steal here for the Packers. 28, Kansas City. Kansas City is going to uh, go back to the run on wide receivers and take Laquan Treadwell. So, I was thinking about this because in my original mock, I had them taking Corey Coleman. They have a lot of wide receivers, though, because they have Macklin, they have Albert Wilson. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Conley from last year. Yeah, I'm not sure that they take another receiver so early, especially because Andy Reid seems to like taking receivers later. That was my only thought about not giving them a wide receiver. I had them trading down my mock draft and Cleveland coming up for Coleman, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. But Treadwell would be interesting there. I don't know if he fits Alex very well, though. I'm not sure anybody fits Alex <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, 29, Arizona. A lot of people are talking about TJ Green from Clemson here. I actually heard that the Seahawks like him more, but I could see that as well. Um, hmm. Who do I think that the Cardinals are going to take? With Ryan Kelly off the board, and I, I agree with you that that's going to happen, it's, it's a more difficult pick. Yeah, I know that they like Ryan Kelly as well. Um, oh, this is really, really hard. I don't think that they're going to go with a quarterback, even though I know there are some rumors that they might take Connor Cook. Um, they have Carson Palmer, though. I don't think they need to take a quarterback in the first round. I, that would be a weird, weird pick to me. And they don't have that many needs. Uh, I'm going to give them Michael Thomas. Because why not? Give them all the wide receivers. <laughs> like, I, I actually think that, uh, wait, did they just resign Michael Floyd? I think so. Alright, so I'm not gonna give them Michael Thomas, and that would be stupid. Um, yeah, yeah that was I a mean, joke. Guys like Vernon Butler is here, Ashawn Robinson is here, um, is Taylor Decker still on the board? Yeah, oh, actually, you know what, that's a good point. Taylor Decker would be good here. It's not necessarily their biggest need, but he, he could certainly fill hmm. it. I know, um, if you're if you're projecting Cody White here being able to play center, he's got to be in play here. Um, I'd, I'd like to see that, but yeah, they're 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 a weird team in that they're they're weird. Their biggest needs aren't necessarily positions that you would draft all that high. I think I'm going to give them Vernon Butler. I think that that makes sense. That's a good pick. And Vernon Butler is someone who reminds me of Muhammad Wilkerson, and this is around where Wilkerson went in his draft. So. It is. I would be totally fine with that coming to fruition. 30, we have the Panthers. Well, if Taylor Decker's still on the board, and by my notes he is, he has to be the pick. Yep. Uh, they they can't go back in with the, the tackles that they have. They're, n- they're not terrible, but I, I think in the playoffs uh, it showed that they have to get better. So we'll, th- we'll do Taylor Decker. I think another guy who is on their board here is Shalik Calhoun from Michigan State. Um, who apparently the Patriots also like. And if they do, if they trade back into the first round and force Goodell to announce their pick, I will be so happy. That would be fun. <laughs> I was, I, that would, that would be just brilliant theater. Yeah. I, I'd love to see that. I don't think it's going to happen just because I'm not sure that they would, uh, I, I think you might be around the beginning of round two and I think they might try to get up there instead of all the way up in round one. If that happens though, uh, that would be, that would be tasty shot in Friday. That would be amazing. Especially after this Brady situation, um, which oh, it's God. so stupid. Although I, I've honestly like I've I've stopped caring. 
I'm fine with starting Garoppolo a couple of games. I like Garoppolo. I think that he will get some good opportunities to show how he's improved year over year. Um, but yeah, this entire situation is just so stupid. It makes me upset. Just needs to go away. Agreed. I'm with you though. I, I, I kind of like to see what Jimmy G can offer. You know, how much has he gone up from last year? You know, is this, is he a viable candidate to, to eventually take over when, when Brady leaves in two or three or 10 years? That they need to know that. So in a way, I can, I can justify backhandedly that, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing to miss Tom for the beginning of the year. Definitely agreed there. 31, Denver. Is this a quarterback? This is a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Um, but the question is, do you think it's going to be Cook or Hackenberg? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't see anybody, anybody with a football mind or eyes thinking that Christian Hackenberg is worthy of going here. But there's a lot of pretty smart and educated people who seem to think that it's a possibility. But, God, it's, Connor Cook is just so much better. Uh, and not to go QB wins on you, but he wins. That matters. It really does matter to NFL people that the quarterbacks win more than they lose. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot of people that bristle against that. but it, it, I think it matters in college, too, because you want a quarterback who um, is willing to put in the work to, like, get those wins. So I, I agree with you. I think it matters. I think it might matter more in college than in the um, in the pros. Like I, I would care about that board scouting, but I'm gonna give them Connor Cook. I think that's a good pick to end the draft. I've heard they like Trevor Simeon too. He's still there, isn't he? He is. I've heard that they're fans of his. So I was surprised that they lost Osweiler. Although, um. There's probably some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff that happened there, considering how close he was with Elway. There might yeah. be, like, some some no longer... That might have actually ended that family friendship. It's it's an interesting situation. I, I can't believe that Houston paid him what they did. It shows just how desperate the quarterback market is, which is why four quarterbacks are going to go in the draft on Thursday night, even though everybody talks that down. Uh, and you could see, like, three or four more in the second round, too. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Three or four more? That yeah, would surprise me. Hogan? Uh, people are talking like about Kevin not, Hogan I think, now? I think Kevin Hogan is is very highly viewed, much more by the NFL than he is by uh, by people in our business, uh, for whatever reason. And I, I don't get it. But I, I also think there's a lot of love for Dak Prescott out there as a, as a guy who can develop into something. Uh and showed a lot of growth in his, his last year at Mississippi State. Uh, played behind an offensive line that lost four guys to the NFL uh, and became a pocket passer out of you – know, it's strange how that happened. But there, there's a lot of people I know that, that are very interested in, in what he has to offer at the next level too. So we'll see what happens there. So before we end the mock, are there any uh, random tidbits that you uh, you want to quickly bring up that people should keep an eye on in the uh, – Second round and beyond? Uh, I just think that the, where the tight ends go is going to be interesting because from – and I am I share this opinion with the NFL people that I've talked to. This is a brutal year for tight ends. Like you're going to see Hunter Henry go, um, and I think I have him going to Green Bay as in the second round as the first tight end off the board. And that I've been told that that's fairly realistic. And then you're going to see um, Hooper from – from uh, Stanford, 
and you might not see another one until Saturday. Uh, the, the NFL is in agreement with me on this one that uh, it's a brutal year to need tight ends. So how many tight ends go is interesting. Uh, I always like to, to watch, you know, when the when the small school guys like Javon Hargrave and, and Matt Judon are going to come off the board. And I think you're going to see quite a few of those guys late on Friday night. We will see what happens there. I'm going to sort of lump the society and stuff portion together uh, because we did go a little bit long with the draft, and that's sort of the folks of this podcast. But I actually remember the first time that I met you was at the Senior Bowl in 2015. And, I mean, I I know that at the time you had mentioned, oh, I'm having this operation soon. I don't think that I had any idea how severe that operation was. Um, because you seemed totally fine when I met you, but that was like a very serious heart operation, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it, 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 it was weird because I didn't really show any outward symptoms of anything. Um, and I, like I, I ran a 5k, uh, two months before I, I had the surgery. It was one of those deals where I had a, a congenital heart defect in my aortic valve. Um, you're supposed to have three flaps. I had two and one of them didn't move. So what would happen was my heart would pump blood out and it wouldn't get all the way out and it would rush back in. Uh, and it started to impact like my, my resting blood pressure was like 92 over 50 and my heart was starting to enlarge. And it was one of those deals where, okay, you need to get this done now. Uh, so I had it done last June 4th. Uh, and it was, it, I had it done at the Cleveland clinic, which is like the, the greatest place in the world to get it done. Uh, and it was, very painful, but at the same time now I have a, a cow valve in my heart and everything is works great. My heart has never been healthier. Uh, and it's weird having like normal blood pressure and a normal pulse rate. Uh, my, my resting pulse was like 42 just because my heart was trying to slow my body down so much so it wouldn't, you know, you know, hurt itself. So the, it, it's been a, an interesting ride <laughs> because, uh, you know, if you, yeah, like you said, if you had looked at me even like two weeks before the surgery, you, you would never guess that I needed it. And, you know, in the aftermath, it's been 10 months. It, it, there's a lot of times now where I feel like, oh, I don't even remember that I had it. Uh, but then I look down and I see the scar or, you know, I, I try to, I can't breathe in as deep as I used to. And that's sort of a weird sensation. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it was pretty major surgery. And I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful that I came through it the way I have. Definitely agreed with that. Um, what was your, how has your perspective changed since the surgery? Um, Uh, I'm definitely more appreciative of like the little things. Um, you know, like, you know, I'm a father of two and a a very devoted father. And it used to be like, I would, you know, sort of not necessarily pay as much attention to my kids as I probably should. And and I made it more of a priority to spend time, you know, doing things with them uh, above and beyond what I used to do. Uh, and, and also just like reconnecting with like more of my, like my, I live in, in West Michigan. My sister lives in Cleveland. My brother lives in South Carolina. And we've, we've all made a conscious effort to try to be closer and, and to appreciate one another more and, and to spend more time with our parents who are, are getting up there and, and you know, deep, leave a little bit more time. To, you know, you, you appreciate that the, the, the time is, is fleeting. And, and it was a deal where like, after I had my surgery, I'm, I'm in the Cleveland clinic in the third day of recovery and the surgeon came in to see me, uh, and he's like, you know, I, I 
you were a lot worse off than I thought you were. You know, you probably had six months left, and, and otherwise you would have been one of those guys that, you know, you're, you're playing pickup basketball at lunchtime, which I, I do religiously, and you would have just dropped, and nobody would have known, uh, and, and it would have been over right there. Uh, so that it definitely gives me more appreciation for still being able to go out and play basketball or to go out and, and you know, bump the volleyball with my kids or whatever. It's uh, – it, it 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 really is it's life transformative in in so many ways. And I guess just to end it all off, what advice would you give to to people who may be undergoing some sort of like physical issue or surgery or have loved ones going through the same thing? How would yeah. you advise them to be allies, or how would you advise them to approach the process? Well, definitely um, seek second opinions from from other doctors because there was. I, I shopped cardiologists a little bit, and I found, you know, one guy uh, who we didn't choose to do the surgery was, was like, wanted to go down a totally different path, which would have, would have required me to be on blood thinners for the rest of my life. The uh, David Chow of surgeons. Yeah, and so, you know, listen to other people that are out there uh, and, and go with what, whatever you, you think is best, uh, but also, you know, take in a lot of opinions. Seek out people who've had the same procedures done uh and and you know if you can get to the cleveland clinic do the cleveland clinic that's a shameless free plug for them but they were fantastic for me uh and they were also fantastic for my father-in-law back in the day when he had our issues so yeah that and, and for for a personal standpoint getting as good a physical health as you can one of the reasons that i've been able to bounce back so quickly is that i was very active and and tried to stay in great shape uh and you know for being a middle-aged dude you know <laughs> wearing dad jeans all the time. Uh, I, I'm in decent shape still, and that helped me so much in my recovery. You know, even just like taking walks um, just up, to, up until the end, you know, being able to be active and everything, it's so important in your recovery uh, because it makes you feel better about yourself and, and your chances. You know, if, if I had let myself go a little bit and, and wasn't so active, I wouldn't necessarily have believed that I could accomplish what I did uh, going through the therapy and the rehab and getting back on my feet so quick. This week's Hammer Time podcast is sponsored by the Cleveland Clinic. Um, no, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciated having you on. Appreciated you helping with this mock draft. Ugh, I'm so excited for the draft. I would get ex- I'm like a little kid at Christmas. I get excited for it every single year. Um, but yeah, take care. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. Hey, thanks for having me. And it was it was great talking to you. And I, I I'm I'm with you on the draft, man. I can't wait. I'm going there Saturday. I can't wait. Yeah, enjoy it for sure. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. Feel free to leave comments at Ethan Ham. Keep listening. Keep rating. Keep sharing with your friends. Please rate us on iTunes. I want ratings, please. And until next time, we'll have a draft recap show. That's going to be next week's episode. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you later.